Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business. And today we're all going to be about Amazon here. Have you ever heard of Amazon, Kasim? Is it a product or a service that you use on a periodic basis? I thought it's where oxygen comes from, Ralph. We need the Amazon. I'm glad, for one, that we're finally talking about this here on this podcast. Let's get green. It's about time. So we're going to be talking forest burning. And what is it? The state of the size of Connecticut is burned every day on the Amazon. That's what we're going to be talking about today here is that whole equation. I think we're just going to change the format. Welcome to our soapbox. Just going to change the format of the show, I think, completely. And stop talking about traffic and making people money and just go environment environmentally green. It's going to be the new perpetual traffic. If you haven't already clicked the back button on your podcast app to listen to Marketing School by Neil Patel, you are actually going to be talking about traffic here today with special guest Jamie Davidson. This is like your Amazon guy. I know in the Driven Mastermind, plug for Perry Belcher, like you meet a lot of smart people. And I think it's a great way, just in general, if you're not a mastermind kind of person, I belong to a couple of masterminds myself. It's a great way to meet super smart people that just raise your game. And I think this is one of those guys that when we were talking about, is the Amazon seller thing dead? Like, what should we do about Amazon? Should we bring on an Amazon specialist and talk about that on professional traffic? You went right to Driven Mastermind, and that's where we found Jamie. Maybe you can do the introduction here today and have him do his nugget on Amazon. My goal here is people need to know what a badass Jamie Davidson is. And he doesn't like you to know this, by the way. So it's going to get real awkward real quick. First, Jamie graduated from West Point went to the U.S. Army Air Assault School, was also part of the Army's lacrosse team, has since coached varsity lacrosse as the head coach, has been a C-level exec at PE-backed organizations, and then spun off his own business and consultancy to make $100 million a year out of Amazon. Like The guy is a literal renaissance man. I mean, he's done enough in his career for a couple of lifetimes, and he looks younger than I do. He just pisses me off, to be honest with you, when I see people like this. And I'm like, how many things do you need to be good at? Like, why can't you just give it up at a couple of things and just live life? But here he is conquering more mountains and also happens to be just an all around good dude. At Driven, if anybody has a question about Amazon specifically, Jamie's always the person that we send him to. And I'm super grateful to have him on our podcast. So, Jamie, thanks for being here. Yeah, Kasim, Ralph, appreciate you guys having me. And thanks for the introduction. Yeah. So, Jamie, you've got a nugget of epic proportions that's going to change everybody's life. No pressure. Yeah, I'll give you a quick one. We talk about the key on Amazon, and we talk about Amazon. It's really just, I think it was just in terms of selling physical products, Amazon is just massively powerful in distributing your product. But in terms of selling physical product, the number one question people have and the key to success is what product should I sell? 
So for years, that's always been the question. But as things have evolved in the current day, obviously, all the discussion you guys have around AI and tools. So applying it practically to that big question of what product should I sell? One nugget I have for everyone is to leverage tools. There's either directly through ChatGPT or one of the plugins, or there's some third-party tools you can start doing this, is to basically use a URL for a Amazon listing of any kind of top category of product that you're interested in to find out what the opportunities are to improve upon that product. So you're going to use AI or ChatGPT or like a plugin to analyze all of the reviews that are listed on the Amazon listing for like the market leader. Maybe it has 10,000 reviews or 5,000 reviews. And essentially, you're going to ask it, what are the opportunities to improve this product? What do people dislike about it? How can I make this product three times bigger? All the different things you can use in ChatGPT and have it map out for you all of the opportunities to create something new, different, and better. Because the key on Amazon or e-commerce in total is to be, you don't want me too products. You have to add real value to the marketplace. And so you've got to find ways that you can legitimately improve upon it. So it's a pretty simple way to leverage the data that Amazon's using for the customers, which is all the review information, turn it back and analyze it for yourself. And that used to be pretty difficult, but nowadays you can do it literally in minutes and get a whole outline of what the opportunities might be for a leading product for you to sell it. Dude, I think this is one of the best nuggets we've ever had on perpetual traffic. This is freaking brilliant. As you're saying this, Jamie, I just pulled up the first product in Amazon. The last product I ordered was a garden hose. And so I pulled up this garden hose and there's 67,000 ratings. And I would plug this into ChatGPT or an equivalent product, maybe one that's a little bit more adept at browsing the web. And I know there are ChatGPT plugins for web browsing. And then say, identify the improvement opportunities. How do I make this better? What are people's biggest complaints? And so if I want to go source, manufacture, or maybe even just change the marketing narrative of my garden hose, I now have 67,000 data points for an AI-driven mechanism to draw from. And it'll be something as simple as, dude, if you can fix the clasp on this hose, it's going to be that much better because everybody's complaining about the clasp, right? Like you're going for those little improvement opportunities that can be AI identified. Exactly. So there's the riches and niches, but yeah, those little details. So absolutely. Dude, I think that's brilliant. You know what that reminds me of too is Ralph with his, what's the camp, Ralph? Customer acquisition and amplification. Hmm. How did I do? Yeah. That's it. This is where you guys start, isn't it? You always look at reviews first. Have you ever thought about using an AI tool to, to comb reviews? We do it right now. Do you really? And you haven't brought it to perpetual traffic, Ralph? You're hiding it from our listeners? There's so much in AI. There's so much in AI. But this is actually how we would do some of our research to help products that maybe are competitors to a product. We're trying to figure out like what the angle is in their advertising, but you're using it to actually create better products or to figure out a niche or to improve upon stuff, which is readily apparent through the reviews. It's a little bit more cumbersome. I mean, I guess the modality in which to do it, because ChatGPT sometimes doesn't read URLs. Are you talking about like pasting all of the reviews into ChatGPT? Like how logistically do you guys do it? Because this is a tremendous way of doing it for what you're talking about. And then also to be able to figure out, okay, what's my angle as a competitor to this product? But I love your take on it, especially. Yes. It's along the lines of what you said. There are tools already. Like you said, straight through ChatGPT is not the ideal way because it has limitations in terms of how many characters, in most cases, through ChatGPT4. But there are already third-party tools have been built. Actually, on my screen, I have a link. But basically, there's Chrome plugins that can already do this, or Chrome extensions, where you just drop in either the URL or on the Amazon listings called the ASIN, 
which is the unique identifier for the listing. You drop it in there, it will grab all the reviews for it. It's already existent in a now, and you're going to see it become more commonplace. The rudimentary way would be to try to copy and paste all that into ChatGPT, but you don't need to do that with the plugins and some of the tools that have access to like the, the open API. You can do it directly. Well, a quick note for our listeners, and I just learned this recently. We had a guest speaker on our Front Row Dad's biweekly call, Jorge. Shout out to my buddy, Jorge, who's also a Front Row Dad. And he taught us all the plugin implementation for ChatGPT. So if you're inside of ChatGPT, you can enable plugins. And if you're watching our YouTube video, I'm actually sharing my screen right now, where I can, from a drop-down menu, select all the plugins that are currently available natively to ChatGPT install those plugins. And one of them is called Link Reader. And Link Reader will actually read content on a website, YouTube video, PDF, Word doc, etc. But it can search and browse the web. Now, I haven't used this actively, but you can tell that this is where things are going. There's multiple plugins being built. And to Jamie's point, there's a ton of Chrome extensions. I found the Chrome extensions are buggy. You have to kiss like five frogs before you find one that works. But once you find the one that works, the lift is unbelievable, how leverageable that is. And dude, I love that pro tip. I want to go to every Google Ads agency on the planet now and have all the reviews analyzed and figure out what it is that people hate about Google Ads agencies or just media agencies. And now I have a new value proposition or a new thing to fix inside of my agency. Like if you're listening to this, there's nobody who shouldn't be doing this along some level of analysis. Do this for your employees. Go to Glassdoor and figure out what all your competitor employees complain about and then fix that as an employer. I really get a kick out of this approach, Jamie. Thank you for that. I think it's one of the best ways to use the currently available AI tools. Sam Altman's talked about this. He's like, I'm never going to release another to the public tool ever again. I'm going to be the engine that powers everything, which I get it, but it like created the buzz around it. But for research purposes, at the very least, if you're not using ChatGPT, oh my God, like this is just yet another way of doing it. And I actually just did plug in an Amazon link into ChatGPT, GPT-4, and it did spit out like nine different differentiators for the last thing I brought, which was like some kind of weightlifting supplement, which was actually really cool. And it's it's a good read. You're just trying to make me look bad. I'm like, I bought a garden hose and Ralph's is like, I bought weightlifting stuff. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah, well, my wife bought the garden hoses. Awesome. Anyway, I didn't like my her choices. The I didn't like her choices at all. But anyway, I'm going to go with it because our sprinkler system is broken for the remainder of the summer. But anyway, this is a great tip. If we have tools potentially for this, we're going to leave links in the show notes. And obviously, if you haven't been over to OpenAI and you haven't played around with ChatGPT, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but maybe you should get out from under that rock. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about the Amazon space. And we talked about this prior to record. Obviously, it's a huge part of any online retailer right now, especially with the customer journey flows. We talk about like, oh, Facebook ads, then Google, and everybody goes over to Amazon, sees if they can get a better price or if there's a better competitor and all these sorts of things. Jamie's a guy who's actually teaching how to do this stuff. And I think there was a surge in lots of ways in which to do this a few years back, and then it kind of went quiet. And we're going to talk to Jamie all about that right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear 
you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. We're back with Jamie Davidson, the proverbial god of Amazon. And uh, what's interesting to me, Jamie, about the position that you're in, I'm always impressed by people who are first movers in a space. I'm more impressed by people who are survivors of a space that have been saturated and then in some ways died. And that's how I view a lot of the Amazon seller space. It's not that Amazon selling died, obviously, right? But there was this massive groundswell of every, I mean, that was the sales pitch for a long time. So you can make a million dollars a minute doing nothing, working from home, being an Amazon seller. And it's difficult. And I'm saying this actually from experience, because I have a bunch of people that have done that in media buying. I know Ralph has had that with Facebook agencies, like dear God in heaven. And you went through that with Amazon and you're last man standing. So I'd love to know from you directly, because in order to do that, in order to be the one that's hanging on, you're the one that actually has the secret sauce, the core principles. You're not selling fluff. It's not whiz bang flash in the pan. If you don't mind giving us kind of the quick and dirty, what's the core that you're offering others that kept you around this long? Yeah. I mean, you framed it well. I'll share just besides myself and Tim, what I think in terms of the industry, just to that point or questions, because I think it's interesting you talk about like running Facebook ads for people that want to teach Amazon. The way I would describe in simplistic terms what's going on is we got involved in Amazon space, stories, my next door neighbor. I was a chief operating officer of a company for this private equity backed company. He was like an IT consultant next door neighbor in the skated little neighborhood here in Atlanta, Georgia. And he was selling cell phone cases out of his garage as a side hustle to replace his wife's income for about like 90,000 bucks because she was going to stay home. And the short story there is we quickly realized this was like a real opportunity that it was unknown in terms of how to go about it. But the other piece was that he had an IT background. The game really was more than people realized. It was really a technical and SEO driven business. It was a lot of gaming the system in terms of how to get your product ranked because Amazon was new in terms of third-party sellers. You could sell on the platform. And so people that had like computer science backgrounds, people that understood how to online game the system were so far ahead. And we weren't talking about this publicly in terms of what was going on, but you might have a hundred computers on all on VPNs that are buying your product to launch your product that it looks like to Amazon that a hundred people are buying your product. So basically the black hat techniques were massive. And so there was massive money to be made just period. So that was going on. And hence you go from zero to 10 million. And we got up to about 
50 million we plateaued in about a four year period. The game changed probably around 2015, 16. So it's probably some of the times you guys were talking about where things exploded to all these, the kind of digital marketing or the online marketing of like, hey, you can make money easy on Amazon. And so there's this massive rush for a period of years where you see that. And a lot of people come in and a small percentage have success and a lot of people fail. The people behind the scenes that were making a lot of money in the space, unknown brands like ourselves, like no one had heard of us and came out. There was all of our competitors, same thing. A lot of them were Chinese, still are Chinese competitors. And then you have this movement of massive big companies and brands that all want to understand how to sell on Amazon. So kind of what you guys are describing is people that come in the last bunch of years that it was kind of like the get rich quick and they disappear. And there's still those different models. And there's a lot of different ways, whether you're talking about owning your own brand or selling someone else's brand or retail arbitrage or drop shipping, all these other things. The only thing we do is we sell our own product, build our own brands. And then ideally we help people exit their brand. So you get that seven figure, maybe eight figure payday. But I'll stop there. But in short is a lot of people disappear that were, it's kind of like crypto or something else, right? When there's a quick opportunity, but the actual physical selling of a product is, of course, a time-tested market and e-commerce and Amazon and the other platforms out there. If you view it that way of adding value to the marketplace, it's growing a lot still. And frankly, it's been more lucrative for sellers the last few years than it's ever been. It's funny because you're just an old grizzled marketer. We all say the same thing. We say it's your offer. You need a better offer. And for Amazon, offer equals product. You're like, you need a better product. So every other Tom, Dick, and Harry is picking up whatever it is that they can drop ship. And then you're actually doing the hard work of sourcing and or creating the product. I have to tell you though, and talk me out of this, by the way, I'm not trying to challenge your business model. The minute you say that, I instantly think that's too hard. I'm not, I'm going to go find a different, easier. What do you do to source it? Are you going to China? Are you hitting Alibaba? Like that feels very difficult. Yeah. So Historically, we go to China. I haven't been to China actually since COVID, but usually I'd go three times a year. Now, we're a little different too. My We have a warehouse down the road here, which you don't need to have, but basically we stage products in here. So 15 minutes down the road, but we have also 200 plus employees in Shenzhen, China that we've moved to because my partner, my next door neighbor is native Chinese. So that was part of our ends of understanding how the game was played early, but it's evolved a lot. The reason why it's attractive to anyone, whether it's because of the Amazon FBA, the fulfillment by Amazon, that Amazon handles the warehousing, the logistics, the customer service, the returns. But there still is an element, You know, anytime you're selling a physical product of how to manage your inventory, how to execute the business effectively in addition to having a product. So yeah, it's different than a service business where you don't have inventory but it's also incredibly scalable because Amazon, you can replicate it in the US and they have all the marketplaces around the globe and you can do that from anywhere. So so yeah, it's not easy, but there's plenty of people, husband and wife's teams and people that have built zero to a million or zero to a couple million and sold five or six of these brands in a period of a few years and made over eight figures doing that. So if you're legitimate about it, you understand how to take it seriously and how to understand that, you know, hey, you got to provide value to the marketplace. It's exciting because what happened is about two years ago, there was almost like $9 billion in professional capital came into the space that's never been in existence from all of these called aggregators that all want to come in and buy up these little brands in the Amazon space. So there's this massive professional capital that's now in the space that kind of legitimized. Again, if you're building your own brand and legitimately building one and you're not using black hat techniques, but you're going about it the right way, which is what Amazon's all about now, building actual brands, then you can be really successful. To maybe stick with the theme of the podcast, let's say that you've done what you're supposed to do. You've sourced a product that's unique and provides value to the market. It's on Amazon. 
I know Amazon's a heavy SEO game, but I also get the sense that there's still, because the sellers on Amazon are sophisticated, it can get a little saturated. How do you drive traffic? How do you get people to those products? Yeah, awesome question. I mean, the two biggest things on Amazon in simplistic terms is finding a good product to sell, and that can differ for everybody. What's a great product for me to sell? Maybe different for you, and depending how much capital or what my focus is in terms of category or that. So, and then the other thing is you've got to be seen, right? Because it's a marketplace, and that's the power of the marketplace. But if you're not on page one, you guys aren't clicking to page two or page seven to find your water hose or your weight supplements, right? You're putting in your keyword. So it's very much like Google in that way because it's all search term driven. But that point, that aspect of the business has changed. It pretty much changes every year, right? So I talked about in the past, it was all black hat. The problem with black hat is you can't really sell that brand because no one wants to buy something that's black hat driven, meaning against terms of service or kind of gaming the system. But a few years back, we had what's called search find buy was really popular. And it was like, hey, Amazon is allowing this, which you would go to a Facebook ad or a Google ad. You would offer someone a massive discount on your product and you would basically instruct them how to find your product by giving them a keyword to go search for, go find the page it's on. They would buy your product and you would reimburse them behind the scenes through PayPal or something like that. So that method worked really well for several years. And there was whole companies built around helping you do that. Amazon put the kibosh on that about a year and a half ago or so. So you constantly have to come up with new ways. But right now, external traffic is a big thing. So there's two things within the Amazon ecosystem. There's the Amazon PPC, the advertising platform, which is massively profitable for Amazon pay to play. So there's a whole element of that. But right now, more than ever, with the explosion of social media and Instagram and TikTok, you know, YouTube, Google still, is how to drive external traffic because Amazon's favor their algorithm more now towards external traffic than they ever have before because they don't want to lose that traffic to Walmart. They don't want to lose it to Shopify stores, even platforms like TikTok or some of these other platforms that are starting to create their own kind of e-commerce capability. The digital marketing game and the techniques that you talk about driven everything else, one of the reasons why we're plugged into it is because we apply the same tactics to driving external traffic towards your listing and trying to get that keyword rank up for each of your keywords. So your model, you're not an Amazon aggregator. And we'll leave links in the show notes if these are new terms for people, but we've had other Amazon aggregators actually on the show in the past, but that's not your model. But is the model to build a brand on Amazon as sort of like your sandbox and then move offline and be less dependent on Amazon, set up your Shopify store, all that sort of stuff, which I've always sort of thought was a smart way of doing it. It's like, start off with drop shipping and then figure out, all right, what are the niches? Is it a fad? Is it something that's more of an actual business model instead of just feeding off a platform that you don't really own, in this case, Amazon? Is that the model? I'm just extrapolating, like trying to answer the question here, but those are the models that I'm aware of. What is your key to success here? Because these are no kidding numbers. Like These are serious numbers we're talking about here. So what's the key? Yeah. I think some of those models, like whether it's retail arbitrage or drop shipping, or even selling wholesale, meaning selling someone else's product and having the rights to do that are not bad. I think they're good for learning on Amazon. They're more cash flow models. You know, Hey, if you're good at it and execute it well, you can make cash flow. And they're also good for just learning the platform. But our focus has always been around owning the brand private label on Amazon. And we've had this discussion a lot within our own teams over the years is because, hey, do we drive traffic to Amazon where maybe the margins are a little smaller because of their fees or do we drive it to our own website? And we always come back to it's Amazon in most cases. So I would tell most people to focus on, don't try to diversify too quickly until you get really good and make the most of it. 
And within Amazon, you can diversify into other countries like Amazon Canada or the UK or India, or you can diversify to other platforms. We sell on 30 other platforms. But the reason why we talk about Amazon as much is because we got to a certain scale and a certain things where we're just expanding internationally, but we're expanding to all the other e-commerce platforms because our brand is good quality and it's selling. We've got the team to do that. For most people, I would keep it simple. Focus on Amazon, possibly Walmart's gotten a lot better the last few years. But the big thing is if you don't own the brand, then no one's interested in buying your wholesale business or you can't sell those businesses because you don't have an asset. The asset is the brand. And so that's what is valuable. If you want to build it to sell it, that's kind of our model and kind of what we help people do is to go that approach. But again, there are other approaches, but it's been proven out. Like all the big capital that came to the space, they only want to buy private label brands. It's interesting. Some people, the investors only want to buy Amazon brands. So if you have Shopify, Walmart, if it's not substantial size, they view it as a distraction. And so it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be worth more if you diversify, but don't do that too soon. Make sure you can focus and build before you start spreading yourself too thin. The rumor is that Amazon watches products that people are bringing to the table. And I don't know that it's a rumor because I've seen YouTube videos where somebody's like, here's the product that I was selling. Here's the title. Here are the bullet points that we had with all the value propositions. Here's the product that Amazon rolled out 18 months later, almost same exact title, almost same exact bullet points. And it's 50 cents cheaper no matter where I price it. So have you seen that? B, how do you stop them from doing that? Or can you? Yes, that's a good point you brought up. So we meet with Amazon a few times a year up. They're based out of up in Seattle. So Amazon will tell you that they have this firewall between the things sold by Amazon and their other things. So a lot of people, to your comment, don't believe that. There's also lawsuits going on. I know Amazon's being sued by the FTC right now for deceptive practices to get people to sign up for Amazon Prime and making it like impossible for anyone to get rid of it. Country like Europe has really had an issue with this. You're hitting upon a point where on the model that there are some issues around that, but Amazon will tell you that they don't do that. But the reality is they have this ability, they have data. If you're Costco and they sell Kirkwood, right? they can see all of their brands within their Costco stores and they can do the same thing with their private label brand. So the other thing Amazon will do is, which is above board, and we've done this with them, it's they may just come to you and say, hey, we want to sell your product. So we want to buy directly from you and you guys provide it. That's called the vendor central. And so we did that. Part of our growth was that we actually did that. We provide the cases sold by Amazon. They kind of guarantee orders for you. So it's similar to kind of like a retail store buying up some of your goods. But yeah, no, it is a factor. I think you'll see more things. Again, I feel like Europe does a good job of being ahead of us in terms of like cracking down on these type of practices. So I think Amazon will be in the crosshairs for that a little bit. All right. So we are here with uh, Jamie Davidson and talking about Amazon and how to build a brand on Amazon. But let's get into after the break here. How you got to $100 million in revenue in seven years. What was the pathway to do that? Really starting from zero. Like That's an incredible journey. We're going to get into that story right after this quick break. Hey, do you want to work with the best client-focused agency in the world? I mean, one that helps purpose-driven businesses achieve their vision? Well, it's time you check out Tier 11 as a career choice. Right now, we are hiring for a lot of different positions, but the most important one right now is our client success owner. 
The CSO is one of the most important positions at Tier 11 because they're the linchpin between our clients and our team who ensures smooth communication and excellence in service delivery. When I built this company 10 plus years ago, I always wanted to have a virtual organization that has strong company culture and a client-centered focus that really took things to the next level, but also enabled purpose-driven businesses to achieve their vision through what we do every single day through customer acquisition amplification. So if this sounds like you and you have the skills required to be an awesome client success owner, head on over to tier 11 forward slash jobs, tier11.com forward slash jobs, fill out the CSO application. We'd love to talk to you about how you can take your career and our client success to the next level. All right, so we're back with Jamie Davidson talking about Amazon. There's a lot of different ways to do this. I always sort of thought there was always one way, but I mean, you've been able to build a business where 100 million in revenue, 100 million sales in seven years is a pretty amazing journey. How did it all start? Maybe you can give the listeners here some ideas of some of the pitfalls to watch out for and what's the model today that probably works the best, especially if you're just starting out in this industry. Yeah, sure, Ralph. I shared a little bit before. What happened was I'm from New York originally. I was banking and some other businesses. I was in the Pennsylvania area and a private equity firm. I was a senior executive at a company. A private equity firm approached me about, hey, what about basically making you a hired gun to be the number two of a company? And I had another deal where I was the CEO of a company as well, too. Similar, kind of small, you know, I'd say about 10 to $50 million businesses that I was a hired gun for. So yeah, I was still an employee, but I was a well-compensated employee and tied into the board of directors, et cetera. You know, it was interesting. It gave me, I've always been kind of an operator within the business. And so I knew, of course, eBay and e-commerce, I thought of those things as a side hustle, not as like a legitimate business. But again, my next door neighbor, native Chinese, we would have some drinks together. I, I would teach him how to make a good rum and Coke and have enough ice. And we just kept hanging out and talking. Like the houses were like 30 feet apart from each other. We're like right next door. And it was good. The business, I could see he was selling these things out of the garage. I have three boys. My boys would come home with these cell phone cases. And I'd be like, where'd you get that? He's like, oh, Mr. Jason, you let me grab some. I'm like, I'll put this back. So the more we started talking, started realizing there's things he did really well in terms of the IT background. You know, myself, more of a broad operator in terms of hiring a team and, you know, how to do some maybe on the marketing side that had a little bit more of that experience as well, too. But what we realized was that, you know, wow, this is like a real opportunity that we can sell these things. And this product that we started with was not just cell phone cases, really iPad cases back then was the bigger thing. iPads were massively growing in schools and everyone needed the iPads and they needed to protect them because they're expensive. So once we saw the opportunity, we saw this platform. And most people, again, when they bought something from Amazon, thought they were buying something from Amazon. They didn't realize you might be buying it from a mom and pop or a little entrepreneur out there. The short of it is we got into that and quickly realized like, well, you know, we can grow to a million really quickly and grow to a couple million. And you quickly realize, oh, this is going to easily outpace the day job. With that in mind, which was hard because it's easier when you're younger, you don't have family. I have a wife and three kids. The hurdle financially, I had to make sure that I can be whole and make this happen. You know, we did wait. I had to wait until we, I could see, hey, this has got a lot of legs to it, momentum. I also liked the idea of being in the e-commerce space, the online space. I thought it had a long runway. So I was excited to invest my own knowledge and apply my prior experience to it. But so that being said, some of the short answers in terms of growing it, again, what we got right for the beginning was we always owned our own brand. We did private label. We also only stayed in one category. We only sold in cell phone accessories for like six years. 
We never sold in sporting goods, pet supplies, anything else until we we're big. Now we do, but we were over $60 million before we ever sold in any other category. The answer in terms of how we got there, again, it's different today and how you go about doing it. One thing that we did, we got to about 20 million. We bought another brand that was 5 million at the time. That was like a competitor, but it had more of a niche towards women. So we bought them and that brand ended up growing. It's now like a $40 million brand by itself. So there was a little bit of an acquisition. We brought the person aboard. The big thing we did was we had this maniacal focus on two things, which was the product in terms of the design of the product, thinking of ourselves as a product design company even though none of us had like real backgrounds in that. But we have a, a 20 person team that are just graphical designers and product designers that are making these products unique and better than the competition. And then how to rank the products was everything because it's a marketplace. Amazon's a river with million, hundreds of millions of customers rolling down with cash. And you got to just be able to put your little net out there and do it. So getting the product right and really understanding how to reinvent yourself pretty much every year on how to get ranked and how to drive reviews was what we've done and we continue to do to this day. So stay in the niche, own your brand. Don't overextend yourself <laughs> as far as trying to be all things to all people. At what point in time do you set up your own? Do you start just with Amazon and then eventually it creates like you, you've got your own brand or do you do this concurrently? You set up your Shopify store the same time that you're actually selling your Amazon brand. What's the one way to do it or is there one way? Yeah, Ralph, it's a good question. Sometimes people start on Shopify and they're like, hey, I've been selling on Shopify for five, 10 years. I should probably start doing this Amazon thing. It's interesting. People that do one or the other, they tend not to be maybe even intimidated by the different platform. But if you're starting with Amazon, I would recommend don't be in a rush to the other platforms until you really get good at it. In the past, like with our coaching, with our AMZ Insiders program, we would teach people to analyze all the foreign markets because there's tools to understand if your product sells well and Germany and the UK, Japan, because you can quickly expand to those markets. Now, what I tell people is do that research and understand if there's an opportunity there, but you don't even have to do that. If your goal is to build it, to sell it, then let the bigger investor or the next guy explain that opportunity to them that, hey, I've done the market research. So now, same thing with Shopify. Hey, if there's other markets and kind of runway and you want to build this business, let's say you want to build it from zero to 2 million in sales. And typically Amazon, you're talking like a 20% margin, maybe 25% margin. So, you know, 2 million, that would be what, 400,000. Bottom line, like a four, you're selling that business maybe for, let's say, call it a million and a half dollars, 1.5. The multiples aren't crazy on Amazon, but they're like maybe four up to six times your earnings. Dude, that's what you get for an agency. I mean, six times, that's not bad. Yeah, and six isn't easy. There's some other components that you want to have with it, like how well the business is structured. You have SOPs. What's your product finding methods? You know, it's something we help you with. But if your goal is to do that, I would keep it simple. Don't try to launch on other platforms. Don't launch internationally. Just prove that you can sell your product and you have a repeatable process to launch new products and you can do really well. What I have found from years of helping people, because we've been coaching and helping people since 2017, is that most people that are good at getting the business from zero to, we'll call it 2 million or zero to a million. They're not necessarily have the same skill sets to grow it to, to eight figures or to grow it to, and this applies to other industries. I'm sure you guys have seen it or constantly good. It's like the group that can take the business from there to 50 million. Typically is not the same group and you need to hand it off. We were a little bit different, my team, because we, we had a background that came from kind of those bigger companies and the kind of the IT horsepower we had on the team to scale. But Typically, 
you're better off staying in your lane of what you're good at and then exiting and then repeating that process versus trying to do it all. That's just good advice for business in general. <laughs> no, I mean, those aren't bad multiples. I mean, especially at 200K and EBITDA. When you first started, or you were doing iPad cases. And man, you can become irrelevant quickly because as soon as people start seeing you having success and then they come out with a product. So it's almost like you have to have this inherent sense of paranoia. Like I've got to constantly be adding features, constantly be figuring out ways to like outsmart the competition, which maybe hasn't even appeared on Amazon yet. And Amazon sellers that I've known that have gone that route, especially in the cell phone case world, is like, hey, we got this product. It's going great. And then they think they've got a business. And all of a sudden, somebody undercuts them by five cents. And then they're basically out of business. So it's like, how do you... And I mean, I guess only the paranoids survive <laughs> to a certain degree. How do you counter that in such a cutthroat, like price competitive space? Or maybe I'm just oversimplifying it. But like, what was your strategy to stay ahead, especially in a market like that, where it's so hyper competitive? Yeah, the two most competitive spaces on Amazon are cell phone accessories and supplements. We don't sell supplements, but supplements because of the consumable nature. People can subscribe to them and keep ordering. And we're a little different because this, every time a new product would come out, a new iPhone or a new Galaxy, et cetera, then there's a whole new product launch. But I mean, we're talking about those type of dollars. The intensity is real all the way back into China in terms of the actual design of a phone. To get the actual copy of a phone, we might pay $80,000 to get the iPhone, to get an actual iPhone for eight hours. We pay $80,000 because when we launch our product, the day it launches, we need this thing to be perfect. You can't know the dimensions, how it's working, any new features. We can't wait a month to design that product after it comes out. There is that level of intensity that was out there. We've met with Amazon and told them in the past that if we followed all your rules initially, we wouldn't have had a business because the competitive nature of it was so aggressive that we had to like really push the lines. And so Amazon, of course, try to work to make it so you don't have to do that. And the good thing is you don't have to do it as much now, but it's still competitive. So the answer to your question, one is if you're going to go to those spaces, the ones I mentioned, you're probably going to need more capital. And if you're going to come up with something different, you're probably going to need some legal protection too. So ideally, you're probably going to want some patent protection to really compete. If I want to sell massage guns, which some of those do 30 million a year for one massage gun, I think the top seller does. But the other thing is that's like in the most competitive high end. So in some cases, my example of us isn't the best example. There's so many opportunities out there that aren't super hyper competitive. They're not super sexy and attractive to everyone where you can find nice niches where it's not nearly as cutthroat. Same principles apply. You have to keep reinventing yourself, but you can survive and build a nice little brand in those spaces. So yeah, you want to typically avoid the ultra competitive categories unless you have something really unique to bring to the market. And if you're starting there, where's the best place to at least get a foothold? Maybe you don't want to go into that red ocean of cell phone cases or iPad cases, but what would be the best way? Is it a chat GPT research endeavor, kind of like what we talked about to start the show? Or is there something else? Like where do you kind of begin? And then especially now with the competition that's out there and Amazon being such a beast. Yeah. It always comes back to this topic, the product, and then how do you rank the product, right? That's what this thing is about. And then how do you run your business with so yeah, we just did a three-day product challenge with a thousand people that were all just honing in on this one topic. The short answer is there is a bit of an art and a science, right? Sometimes I've met people that we've done some real analysis and all the tools and the tools are good because they've got good data out of the Amazon API. We've analyzed something and then that person goes, ask their wife like, hey, honey, what do you think is a good idea out there? And she comes up with an idea, knotted blankets, 
and we run it through our model, we're like, oh, this is better than the five things we identified. There is this combination of kind of seeing trends out there. There's some other sites like Pinterest and some other cool things out there that you can use in terms of getting trends. We like to take data from things away from Amazon, TikTok, even Alibaba, the site where you can buy products, see what the trends are there, trends.com, and see if you can tie it back to a product. The thing with Amazon, you don't want to make sure it's not a short trend because of a celebrity. You want to have something there. Good Amazon tools to help use it. Again, this chat GPT stuff is real. I like stuff that you can actually really implement and actually get real feedback and opportunity. And again, look to make some slight modifications with the manufacturer or with a product design team to help. You don't have to be crazy, but you got to have something that like, hey, this is going to be positioned a little bit differently. So you're going to have some staying power. And if you do that, you know, you get your brand trademarked. There's a lot of really successful people doing this. Just treat it like the real business and the real brand it is. I think that's some of the Amazon sellers that I've met in the past. I don't think they really treated it like a business. And I think that's a really important part. It's like, ah, this is my side gig or I caught this hot trend and that's it. I'm done. Um, Now I'm going to be set for life, which is never really the case on Amazon because everything's always changing. So it's a combination of understanding what's hot in the market as well as where you can find those individual niches and make product improvements that are just slightly better than the competition. Obviously, using tools like ChatGPT are pretty effective in assisting with that. Exactly, Ralph. The last thing to your point there, the reason why it's harder to do this in Amazon is because, let's say you take like the fidget spinner, if you guys, anyone remembers that back in 2015 and kids are buying it for like 30, 40 bucks and they cost, I don't know, 30 cents for the manufacturers to make. If a trend in the digital world ends, you can stop it and pivot pretty quick. But if you keep placing bigger bets and you have, in the physical world, you have inventory, you're sitting on a million dollars of inventory and the price of that drops, Right. That's what happens if people try to play those games a little bit too much. You get caught and they get stuck with this inventory or if the practices no longer work, their techniques. And so, yeah, that's why a lot of those people disappear because it is that inventory. talk a lot about that aspect, but managing how much you buy and making sure you're not out of stock, all that stuff is really important to be successful in the space as well. Very cool. So where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm co-founder of AMZ Insiders. So amzinsiders.com. My Business partner, Joey Roberts, she built from zero to a million through our coaching program a couple of years ago. And now she helps a ton of people. So we've teamed up. We've got a team of about 10 people in our AMZ Insiders program. On Instagram, I'm at jamiedavidson.official. I love when people reach out. But yeah, if you reach out, amzinsiders.com, there's a little apply button if you want to jump on a call. We offer a strategy session to understand where you're at, see if we can help you out. Awesome. We'll leave links in the show notes for that. For sure. This has been great. It's been a while since we've talked to Amazon here on Perpetual Traffic. So it's got a whole new way of looking at things. Thanks to you. And also people can get more information on you over at amzinsiders.com. Like I said, we'll leave a link in the show notes for that. And make sure that you leave a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We haven't read one of those out in quite some time, Kasim. We've got a backlog here. So definitely do that. Even mention your business what the heck? We'll give you a shameless plug here on the show. You'll be podcast famous yeah, for 10 to 15 seconds. So make sure you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me over on LinkedIn or anything relating to perpetual traffic. We're all about the socials right now. Awesome. Especially the Perpetual Traffic YouTube channel, which we will leave links in the show notes for that as well. And all resources and show notes, which there are quite a few here in today's show. Thanks to Jamie. 
will be over at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 